1: J.O. wins the national championship for Notre Dame! Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame
2: 3.76 well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. On 9:60 a.m. WSBT, the stream is rolling right now at WSBTRadio.com and on our free WSBT Radio F. Sports Beat on the air until 7 o'clock tonight. Great to have you on board. Coming up on the program this evening. We've got our Twitter question of the day on the way. We've got a My5 question of the day as I take a shot at some possible headlines from the sports weekend. We'll try to sneak in sports wagering. And I'm going to spend the opening portion of the program talking about greatness. We want to remind you, for high school basketball fans, you will be able to hear... High school boys basketball action on our sister station. 96-1 the ton tonight. Probably a little after 7 o'clock, the pregame will get started as the South Bend Riley Wildcats coming off a very nice overtime win against John Glenn last night. They head to the cave to take on the 2-1 Mishawaka Caveman last time out. Mishawaka faced number one Mishawaka Marion up 12-7 after one. And then Marion took charge of the ball game and won by double digits. So tonight, South Bend Riley at Mishawaka. Boys basketball action on 96-1 the ton. Check in a little after 7, and we'll have some country music and some high school basketball from the cave. Tomorrow at noon, you can catch Sean Styers on the call of Notre Dame women's basketball against Merrimack College. And that game will be from Purcell Pavilion, noon tip, 11.45 a.m. Pregame on our sister station, Live nine. And, of course, the Irish basketball team idle until Sunday when they take on the Marquette Golden Eagles. And that's going to be a 4 o'clock tip on Sunday with a 3.30 pregame. That game right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I told you everything that's happening for the next three days except what I'm going to be doing tonight, and that's calling Notre Dame hockey, a top-20 matchup, and a Big Ten Conference showdown from Lefty Smith Rink. It will be number 19 Notre Dame hosting the fifth-ranked team in the country, the Penn State Nittany Lions. My pregame coverage will get started tonight on the Notre Dame Radio Network, including here in South Bend on 94.3 FM. At 6.45, opening faceoff is at 7 o'clock. Notre Dame swept the four-game conference series against Penn State last year. Notre Dame has had their number for a good amount of time. This has been a series dominated by Notre Dame, but Penn State brings to Notre Dame maybe one of their best teams since we joined the Big Ten Conference. And this Penn State team, very quietly with all the great powerhouse teams in the Big Ten, They've made the Big Ten Tournament semifinals seven consecutive years, including a couple of trips to the championship game. One of those was here in South Bend when that Notre Dame team from four years ago rolled through everybody, and they got by Penn State to win a conference championship. So, again, Penn State, Notre Dame hockey on Quality Rock, 94.3 FM, 6.45 pregame, 7 o'clock opening faceoff, and then we play tomorrow at 5 o'clock, with a 4.45 pregame. So, I'm only on the show for an hour tonight, so let's get to it with our first pitches of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat for this Friday, December the 9th of 2022.
1: The first pitch of the, first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Of Into the windup and his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed.
2: Well, my first pitch tonight... I want to talk about greatness. It's hard to achieve, but apparently it's even harder to gain that greatness from other people in some cases. The Mackey voters just don't understand what greatness is. Do they see greatness when they're watching a football game? I highly wonder. Now, in case you've forgotten, the Mackey Award goes to the best tight end in college football. And those voters last year really screwed up and I think they screwed up again this year there was a pretty doggone good tight end from a little town in northern Indiana whose team wears some gold helmets they've been pretty good through the years you might have heard of them Notre Dame and this tight end Michael Mayer well Michael Mayer had another spectacular year for the fighting Irish but again the Mackey war didn't notice Michael had 71 catches, 840 yards, 7 touchdowns. The winner of the Mackey Award last night was a sophomore from the University of Georgia, Brock Bowers. Bowers played one more game than Mayer, 52 catches, 726 yards, 6 touchdowns. So he had 19 fewer catches than Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer is a really good blocker as well. I'm not sure that's even taken into account, so that doesn't hurt him in a comparison against Bowers. You might recall last year, Mayer wasn't even a finalist for the Mackey Award. That actually was a worse mistake than this year, and this year was pretty bad. And I'm not saying that as a homer. I'm just watching these two football players throughout this season And both are excellent tight ends. No one would turn them down on their roster. But Michael Mayer's a better all-around tight end. Look at individual routes, his ability to use his body to get separation from the defender. I'm not talking pushing off. He shields that defender with the way he runs the route. He's got a wide catching radius. How many times do you remember Michael Mayer dropping a football? Not very often. You have to really think hard for the last time that happened. But at the end of the day, these voters selected on whatever basis believe that Bowers is the best tight end in college football. Let me ask you this. Georgia without Bowers, do you think anything changes with their team? Heck, they've got another tight end that plays a lot that arguably is just as good as Bowers. But... Georgia without Brock Bowers is still the number one seed in the college football playoff. They are still an undefeated football team at 13-0. He changes nothing. If he would have had an injury in fall camp, do you think this football team wouldn't be where they are today? Of course they'd be exactly where they are. Think about Michael Mayer in a similar Hypothetical situation going down with an injury during fall camp. Folks, can you imagine what the Notre Dame offensive passing game would have looked like without Michael Mayer? This offense, from a passing standpoint, was built around Michael Mayer. There was a really good running game here in South Bend, but for whatever reason... The wide receiver position was a tad bit inconsistent. Again, we can't forget the fact for a five, six game stretch, Rupine was the 54% completer uh, completion percentage throwing the football for this team. Without Michael Mayer, do we really think Notre Dame still ends up eight and four? I'm not sure they do. This guy carried the passing game, and there are clips where there are three, four guys around Michael Mayer, and he's still. Catches the football. Teams tried to take him away. They couldn't because he's that good. He's All-American good. He's a consensus All-American good. Eventually should be a college football Hall of Famer good. Brock Bowers, yeah, really good football player. Again, I'd love to have him on my team. But Notre Dame without Michael Mayer, that passing game would look drastically different and not in a good way this just kind of feels like one of two things number one this felt like a baseball award how many times you see in baseball you just vote for the guy on the best team heck that happened with the Heisman trophy anyone want to say that Stetson Bennett the quarterback for Georgia is one of the four best players in college football are you kidding me that's a lazy vote by the Heisman voters that's just lazy by picking a guy on the number one team in the country. Oh, he's the quarterback. Let's vote him. Are you telling me Will Anderson from Alabama is not better at what he does than Stetson Bennett? Heck, I know someone that voted Michael Mayer third in his Heisman ballot, and I don't have any problem with that whatsoever. It sure wasn't Stetson Bennett on his ballot. So this just kind of felt like number one team in the country, Georgia. Let's vote for Bowers. I also look at it from another standpoint, as I just talked about a moment ago, it just kind of feels like a lazy vote. People just don't research these things like they used to, and that's really inexcusable considering all the access we have to these games today. So I'm disappointed for him. We all know who the best tight end of the country is. Unfortunately, the Mackie Award didn't feel that way. And let me throw out a second little variable, and I hate to say this because I have no proof, but ESPN airs these college football awards, they're in bed with the SEC, they're not in bed with the Big Ten anymore, or or of course Notre Dame, and it just feels like it was kind of an SEC vote. I have no proof of that. I'm probably wrong, but it just feels like that. I'm bitter, so I'm just going to say it, but anyway, hey Michael. You're the best tight end in the country. It'll show in the NFL draft. I wish you would have got the award. You deserve it. But after, you didn't even become a finalist last year. Is anyone surprised these voters didn't vote for Michael Mayer as the best tight end in the country? Shouldn't be a surprise. So greatness was not rewarded in that instance. But in my second example, greatness on display every time you turn on the radio during the baseball season in the city of Chicago. The Baseball Hall of Fame understands Windy City greatness. Pat Hughes has been calling Chicago Cup baseball games for three decades. When Vin Scully retired, of course, he passed away a few months ago. In my opinion, Pat Hughes became the best play-by-play broadcaster of baseball on the planet. And Hughes this week received the ultimate honor the Ford Frick Award given to a Major League Baseball broadcaster for their major contributions to baseball. I'm going to play just a little 90-second clip. The Chicago Cubs put out this video-slash-audio piece on social media, and this audio courtesy of the Chicago Cubs as Pat waiting on his couch for the phone to ring knowing he might be selected for the Ford Frick Award, and you end up getting that call from the folks in Cooperstown. How are we doing on time here?
1: 10.36. Oh my gosh, Jeff Idelson. This is the, the number I've got. Hello, it's Pat. Hey, Pat, it's Josh Roewich at the National Baseball Hall of Fame, how are you? Josh, I'm fine, how are you?
2: I am doing great and I feel fairly certain you're going to be doing great here uh, that I'm calling to let you know that the Frick Award Voting
1: Committee has selected you as the recipient of the 2023 Ford C Frick Award.
2: Wow. Wow. Josh, that is uh, that is one of the best things I've ever heard. This has got to be one of the best phone calls I've ever received. I thank you very much for that. Maybe at the-
1: After this phone call, you guys are both welcome to call again at any time. <laughs> well, thank you. Congratulations again. Enjoy it with the family there. Please tell them we say hello and looking forward to, to meeting your whole family and everybody else that comes with you. Thanks, guys. All right. Okay. We'll see you soon, okay. Bye bye. Oh,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Unbelievable. Oh. <laughs>
2: Well, I wanted to play that because what you heard right there is Pat Hughes. You've listened to him on the radio for many, many years, whether you're a Cub fan or a baseball fan. He is as courteous and kind as you heard in that sequence, getting the ultimate phone call if you're a baseball broadcaster. We've had him on Sports Beat before. Couldn't be kinder. Doesn't have to do a show in South Bend when you're a, A guy in Chicago doing things at the highest level in broadcasting. But he's simply the best. I've joked for a long time growing up in Illinois. I moved out of Illinois because there's less competition in Indiana than in Illinois to be one of those broadcast winners for the awards that come out for all these states. Pat just wins it every year, and who's going to beat him? Nobody in my home state, that's for sure. Well, as a St. Louis Cardinals fan, I'm not supposed to like anything about the Chicago Cubs, and of course, vice versa. But I can't sit here and hide the fact that he is the best active baseball broadcaster anywhere. And this comes from a guy who grew up listening to Jack Buck on my portable FM AM radio. I would carried around wherever I would go, bedroom, bathroom, front room, wherever. I love listening to Mr. Buck on KMOX. And today, if I'm in my car and the Cardinals aren't playing, I turn on Pat I don't turn on the game because the Cubs are playing. It's because he is broadcasting. I've admired Pat's style and tone for years. It's like he's talking to us. like we're having a conversation via the radio. He has a terrific vocabulary matching his, his just classic pacing. He always feels like your best friend as he's talking to you on the radio. He's a wonderful storyteller. Pat is... So easy to bring humor into the conversation with the guys on the Cubs radio network. But last but not least, he has a wonderful description of a ball game. You can close your eyes and picture what is happening by his artistic descriptions. While I was working as a producer at KMOX in college, KMOX in St. Louis, I was told the story by one of the employees how Jack Buck told his son Joe, When he just started out, when you're broadcasting on the radio, pretend like you're an artist and use every color on the palette to paint the picture because nobody at home can see those colors. And Pat does a Hall of Fame level job of doing that. And I love his home run call because all the good ones are taken. He created his own. This one's got a chance. Gone. Simple and perfect. As a Cardinal fan, I don't appreciate the Cubs win call that he has, but everything else His Hall of Fame caliber, and I try to learn from him every time I turn on the radio. So I'm thrilled that in this case, greatness was recognized by the Ford Frick voters, and Pat Hughes forever will be a part of baseball history in Cooperstown, New York, at the Baseball Hall of Fame. Pat, congratulations. Nobody right now does it any better than you. I wish we were having... That greatness talk with Michael Mayer, but we know he's great anyway. We don't need awards, I guess, to symbolize the job he has done at the University of Notre Dame. All right, we're going to take a timeout. That was our first pitch today. We'll come back with our Twitter question of the day. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter Question of the Day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
2: Darren Pritchett back with you live from the Compton Family Ice Arena on the campus of the University of Notre Dame, the Irish, and the Penn State Nittany Lions kicking off a two-game conference series tonight, 7 o'clock on our sister station, Quality Rock, 94.3 FM. Well, we're going to start our Twitter question of the day segment with a look back at yesterday's question that I posted on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Who is the best player on the Notre Dame basketball team? I offered you four choices. The big guy, Nate Lashevsky, The dazzling freshman, J.J. Starling. The solid... Veteran Dane Goodwin and a guy who's been red hot lately guard Cormac Ryan. I think you can take this question a lot of different ways. If you think about who you want taking the last shot might be different from who is the best player on the team. Are we talking about just offense? Are we talking about all-around player? I was kind of looking for all-around player. And I think this was a really difficult choice because Dane Goodwin has been the team's leading scorer before. Leshevsky has been quiet the last couple of games, but he was leading the charge early on in the season. Starling is coming on strong, and Ryan's been the guy that's been hot as of late. So how did the voters handle this? Well, this is surprising considering how good he has been in his time in South Bend, but Dane Goodwin came in fourth in the voting at 6 Point one percent. Hardly any action on Dane Goodwin on this Twitter question of the day. I mean, at times, he's your best option on offense, at least the last couple of years. I found that very interesting. He only got 6.1% of the vote. Third place in the voting is the 6'10", three-point shooter, and a guy that's now taking it to the rim a whole lot more. Nate Lashevsky. He only got twenty-one point two percent of the vote. He's been Notre Dame's go-to guy on offense again throughout the year. I know he's been quiet the last couple of games. Two points against Syracuse. Now he had nine against BU on Wednesday, but let's keep in mind he got poked in the eye and had to leave the ball game in the second half, so he did not play a complete ball game, or likely he's back in double figures. But Lashevsky comes. In third in the voting. Maybe it's recency bias or newness. I don't know because second in the voting is the freshman, J.J. Starling, who got 25.8% of the vote. He's got a lot to his game. There's no doubt about that. We haven't even seen the best of J.J. Starling yet. But winning the vote and convincingly a guy that, what, a year ago at this time, wasn't even starting for the Irish. Even though... I was his biggest fan, I felt like he could have been and should have been a starter based on his grittiness, his defense, good passer to hit the shots from the outside, ultimately Cormac got into the starting lineup and then man did he blow up during March Madness, but Cormac Ryan won the vote, he got 47% of the vote, Cormac coming off a 21 point performance and the win over Boston University on Wednesday where he had 6 of 7 shots from the field, including four of four from the three-point line. So Cormac Ryan, by your vote, hands down, the best player on the Notre Dame basketball team, getting 47% of the vote. I wouldn't have guessed that. When I wrote this question, I was figuring it was gonna be Nate or Goodwin. Well, what do I know? They finished third and fourth respectively in this Twitter vote. So thank you for taking the time to vote. And we've got a brand new question that started this afternoon and will run through the weekend. We go back to Notre Dame football, and I ask this on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Who will the Notre Dame football team miss more next year? Two guys that are leaving school early to enter the NFL draft. You know who they are. Tight end Michael Mayer, who rewrote the tight end record books at Notre Dame, or Isaiah Foskey, who leaves Notre Dame as the all-time sack leader with 26 and a half. So, who do you think Notre Dame football will miss more next year? Michael Mayer or Isaiah Foskey? We'd love to get your input. You can vote on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. And of course, anytime, please feel free to reply to the question and offer your thoughts on the question that we have that day. Now, one of our listeners, Dave, actually wrote to me during the show last night, and he asked the question in regard to Mayer and Foskey leaving school early to go to the NFL draft and not playing in a bowl game. But he asked the question, if Notre Dame was in the 12-team playoff, which is coming up in two years, do you think they make the same decision? And I would have to think that a majority, I mean a convincing majority of players in their spot on teams that would make the 12-team playoff would want to play in the college football playoff. Now, Jigma Smith, the wide receiver from Ohio State who got injured in the Notre Dame game of the opener, he's been dealing with injuries ever since that game. He is skipping the college football playoffs to get healthy and get ready for the NFL draft. But... Knowing Michael Mayer's competitive nature, how much he loved Notre Dame, how much he loved playing with his teammates, I think there's no doubt in my mind Michael Mayer is playing in the 12-team playoff if Notre Dame is in it. And I think the same for Isaiah Foskey as well. But it's just so different now. There's such a separation between the playoff and even the New Year's Six Bowl games and the other bowl games. If you're not in the playoff, the attractiveness of those bowl games are diminishing each and every year. And I know we bring this example up every time, but it's the most noteworthy when Jalen Smith of Notre Dame would have been a top five pick on the draft, suffered that horrible, and I mean horrible, knee injury against Ohio State, ankle and knee. And he dropped in the draft. Now I know insurance money Helped soften the blow, but I don't think he was ever the same player after that. He's still in the NFL, I think, with the Giants right now. But Jalen Smith, I remember the day after that game on Sportsbeat saying, there's going to be kids across the country not playing in these bowl games after seeing that. And it was already kind of starting to happen at that point, but now we're seeing it more and more. Last year, for example, Kyron Williams and Kyle Hamilton. Didn't even want to play in a New Year's Six Bowl game, and I can't blame them. If you've got the NFL in your future, these are just basically exhibition games where you get a bunch of gifts and you get a, a nice little trip to a place maybe you've never been before, probably a nice warm town to go to. Other than that, these games just, you want to win them, but it's not like the world ends. If you lose it, it's not like you gain momentum for next season. By winning the game, it shouldn't cause you to be extra motivated during the offseason for the start of the next year. Because you lost that game, you should have that motivation anyway. So I have no problem whatsoever. Mayer and Fosky made the right choice. I think even with the New Year's Six pole game, Hamilton and Williams did the right thing. It's not worth the risk. But to answer Dave's question, I think 12-team playoff is a different story. I think... Even if you're a 12 seed, I mean, you work all year to get to the playoff. I would think that would make a difference for, gosh, I hate putting a number on it, but wouldn't that mean 97 98% of the players in the top 12 going to the playoff? Wouldn't they want to play in that bowl game? I would have to think so, but I guess we'll find out in two years when we have that first 12-team playoff in college football. And come on, let's put these first games on campus sites. I mean, look at the snow today here in South Bend. I mean, let's bring an SEC team up here to take on the Irish in a first round matchup in the college football playoff. That would be spectacular. All right, so today's question Who will Notre Dame football miss more? Mayor Fosky, vote throughout the weekend at 960 Sports Beat on Twitter. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Being brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers. Locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. This holiday season, give the gift of hope to a hungry neighbor. Learn more at FeedIndiana.org. By Legacy Heating and Air, a cook family business. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Now with three locations to serve you. Their newest location on Lincoln Way and the Twin Branch areas now open for carryouts. Barnaby's The Family Inn. By South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, own, shop, for new beginnings have happy endings. By Tim Growl State Farm Insurance. This holiday season, protect your family for those unexpected life moments. Call Tim. At 232-9981, and by Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. After a break, we'll come back with the My 5 question of this Friday on Sports Radio 960, WSBT.
1: One question, five answers. This is the My 5 Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Yeah. It's going to be a lot harder than I thought it's
2: going to be. Yeah. All right, we're set for the My 5 question of the day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Sorry for being a little tardy. I was talking Irish hoops with the voice of the Irish, Tony Simeone, who's in the broadcast booth to my right here at the Compton, getting set to call the game on the streaming side tonight. But now let's get to the My 5 question of the day. A little different question today. I'm going to try to... I guess guess what some of the headlines are going to be from this weekend and the sports world. We'll start with? Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. All right, we'll start with a little Notre Dame hockey. I'm, I'm going to say the Irish are going to split their two-game set with Penn State. Notre Dame in 31 previous meetings against Penn State, 27-4, and four, including in this building, a record of 12-4-1, and Notre Dame has won seven of the last eight against Penn State, but this Penn State team, I think, is the best Penn State team that's arrived in this building, maybe since we joined the Big Ten, maybe a team five years ago was just as good, but this is a team that's been known for scoring, but they are defending Extremely well. They're ninth in the country in goal scoring at 3.61. And they're 12th in goals against average at 2.39. Normally, they give up three and a half goals a game. So this is a different Penn State team. I think the Irish are going to have their hands full. But I'll say that Notre Dame hockey splits a two-game set with Penn State. Four. We'll go to the NFL. And the Philadelphia Eagles will wrap up a playoff spot with a solid win over the New York football Giants. Hard to believe the Eagles can already lock up a spot in Week 14, but that is the case. This is going to be the first of two meetings between the Eagles and the Giants. The Giants are sputtering a little bit. They ended up tying at home against Washington last week. Their running game has not been as good the last couple of weeks as earlier in the year. They really need to get Saquon Barkley going once again. Boy, Jalen Hurts continues to play MVP-level football. The Eagles continue to be able to run the ball at will, as they did against Green Bay. But then last week, they just threw it down Tennessee's throat. That catches your attention. Dominance in two different ways in back-to-back weeks. And I think the Eagles go to New Jersey to beat the New York Giants and wrap up an NFC playoff spot.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Uh,
2: number three. I'm going to say that the Arizona Wildcats, they hit the jackpot in Vegas, baby, and they beat Indiana in what should be a high scoring basketball game. Arizona averages 91 points per game. Can Indiana keep up with Arizona offensively? I'm not sure Indiana is going to be able just to lock down the Wildcats and slow the tempo of this game make it a a 65-64 game I think this could be a little bit of a track meet and from a Big Ten standpoint I'm a little concerned if Indiana can go toe-to-toe with Arizona I think it's going to be a great game wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't come down to the wire but I'm going to say Arizona holds on to beat Indiana in Vegas number two well at the start of the year I made the proclamation I thought the Lions could win seven or eight games this year. And with the way they started the season, I thought, well maybe I fell in love with the Detroit Lions because I watched the HBO weekly fall camp series, Hard Knocks. There were some great characters on that Detroit team that were brought to our attention. They looked really good during that four week span on HBO. Then they got off to a horrible start I'm thinking, well maybe I just was drinking the Kool-Aid. Well, now all of a sudden, the Lions are a serious contender to make the NFC playoffs. And my headline is that fact that the Lions are a serious NFC playoff contender after they beat the Minnesota Vikings at Ford Field this week. And Hey, the Vikings are 10-2, yet they are the underdog at Ford Field. Detroit is a two-point favorite, and I don't think that's a mess-up By Vegas. How many times does Vegas mess up? That hasn't happened, baby. I think the Lions are going to get the job done, and the Lions are going to be right there on the doorstep of being in position to make the NFC playoffs.
1: Number one.
2: And number one, I'll say Mike Bray's Fighting Irish and Shaka Smart's Marquette Golden Eagles are going to play a nail-biter at Purcell Pavilion on Sunday, but Notre Dame will close it out and get a very important resume-stuffing non-conference win over Marquette from the Big East Conference. Michigan State has been so good for so long, maybe we take them for granted. When you beat Michigan State, marquee victory. Now it still could be. but. Michigan State, after losing to Notre Dame here in South Bend, lost to Northwestern and East Lansing by nine. That's unthinkable. Now, they bounce back and won at Penn State. But I don't know if there's any guarantee Michigan State is going to be an elite victory. It's going to be probably a good victory. Let's hope it's a really, really, really good victory. That's why let's bag another quality win. You've got to beat Marquette because the ACC is down again, folks. And... I laid this out all last year. The ACC did not play well in the non-conference. Their conference was not strong enough from top to bottom where you get enough quality wins. And the ACC had limited number of teams in the tournament. What did Notre Dame have, what, 13? Was it 13? I'm trying to remember how many wins they had in the ACC. Off the top of my head, I can't remember. But they were at the top of the conference, and they barely got into the tournament. That shows you how important non-conference wins are. This is crucial. There's not another non-conference opportunity for the Irish left on their schedule of note. I mean, Jacksonville's not going to do anything for you. This is one this team needs, just in case you don't win enough in the ACC. I mean, last year's Notre Dame team probably at this point is better. I don't know if I would say at this time, because they were struggling at this point last year. I would say... Last year's team might have have had a higher ceiling than this year's team will, and that team barely got in the tournament. That's why beating Marquette, to me, mucho, mucho important. So I think Notre Dame will get it done, a close win over Marquette on Sunday. All right, 553 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Let's take another break on the other side. We'll try to hand out some sports wagering winners as we continue on in the five o'clock hour. Budweiser's weekday sports beat live from the Compton Family Ice Arena on Sports Radio 960 WSPT. Money, money, money.
0: Show me the money yeah. <laughs> We go with Sisla. We go is.
2: All right, let's wrap up the 5 o'clock hour, Budweiser's weekday sports beat, with a little sports wagering conversation. Darren Pritchett with you here on WSBT Radio. Let's start with four suggestions from last night's program. Things turned out pretty well, actually. We went with some Big Ten basketball, Rutgers, Ohio State. I went under 136 and a half total points at minus 110. No problem. The game was under at 133. Ohio State hit a buzzer-beating three-pointer that actually shouldn't have counted since they didn't start the clock on time. But the Buckeyes won 67-66. We'll take the W. It was a weird line. Ohio Iowa State is the better team, the hotter team, going to Iowa City to take on Iowa. Hawkeyes favored by 3.5. I took the bait. I thought Iowa was the better team. And at least last night they showed it. They routed Iowa State 75-56, so back-to-back winners. We made it 3-0 when Michigan went to the barn and took care of Minnesota. I took the Wolverines minus 5 at minus 110. Wolverines won by 15, 90-75. The lone loss. Come on, Ben Skoranek. You let me down, the former Notre Dame wide receiver. In five of his last six games... Was held under 30 receiving yards. So I went under 28 and a half receiving yards in the game against the Raiders last night. Well he had one catch at halftime. Problem is he had six catches in the second half, eighty-nine receiving yards. Not even close. So we ended up three and one last night, six and two for the week, six and two for the month, and now twenty-nine games over five hundred for the year. We lost our underdog pick as the Jets. Routed the Blues in St. Louis. I took St. Louis on the money line at plus 105. So the underdog loss means we're 38 and 43 in those contests. Here are the suggestions for the weekend. We'll go with two college hockey games first. I've got Michigan on the money line at Michigan State at minus 115. I've got Western Michigan on the money line at home against North Dakota at minus 120. The two NFL games I'm taking, yeah, I'm on the Lions bandwagon. Let's ride them again. Lions minus two at home against the Vikings. I'll take it at minus 135. And my team stinks. So I'm taking the Chiefs minus nine at the Broncos. They can't even score 10 points. You think the Chiefs are going to score less than 19? Forget about it. Chiefs minus nine at the Broncos at minus 115. How bad are the Broncos? They're the reason why Patrick Mahomes got taken out of prime time. That was supposed to be the Sunday night game. Nobody wants to watch that Denver offense. It is beyond miserable. So there you go. Those are the four suggestions. My underdog pick, my dad was in the Navy. I root for Navy against Army. Go Navy, beat Army. But with our underdog pick, it's got to be a plus number. Didn't like a whole lot this weekend. So let's roll the dice on Army on the money line at plus 130 against the midshipmen. That wraps up our sports wagering segment and the 5 o'clock hour of Budweiser's weekday sports beat. I'm going to sign off for now because I've got to get ready for Notre Dame hockey against Penn State. 6.45 pregame on our sister station, Quality Rock 94.3 FM or on the Notre Dame Radio Network if you're outside of the South Bend area.